All right, Shane, I'm sorry for the uh, amount of edits you're gonna have to do through this. Hey guys, welcome to season one, episode 20 of the Every Plant Story podcast, the podcast where we share all kinds of stories and the behind the scenes and the life here at Gabriel Plants and all around our lovely plant community. My name is Brett Weiss. I'm head grower here at Gabriel Plants and co-host for the Every Plant Story podcast. I am doing this podcast solo today because it is our lovely leader Shane's birthday today. Happy birthday. And so I am here with uh, my guest, Courtney Bennett, who is my uh, botanical best friend, uh, graduated from the same alma mater, Ferrum College, in 2015, uh, and is also currently our greenhouse manager here at Gabriella. And as always, we have Zach, our media director here as well. Hello, hello. Hello, guys. <laughs> so fun. we're going to take this uh, kind of easy today and something that is near and dear to all of our hearts, but we're going to talk about philodendron. Woo! Love philodendron, absolutely love philodendron. Um, philodendron are great. So philodendron are a flowering plant in the Aeroi genus known as Aeraceae. Um, philodendron as a genus is the second largest genus in the entire family, uh, falling only behind Anthurium. Um, I believe last time I checked, there were something around 489 uh, species of philodendron in the genus, but keep in mind that most of what they think are still out there are undescribed, um, which is kind of exciting for botanical science in general to think that they are continually discovering new, new and more species, which is like really cool. So that 489 number doesn't include any of the awesome cultivars or hybrids that we have out there. Um, and so today we did just want to talk about some philodendrons that we love here in-house. Um, I know Courtney has a vast plant collection as well as I, and so we just wanted to kind of tell you guys some of our favorite philodendrons out there. So I'm going to open up the floor, and Courtney, what is your, it, off off the bat, what's your favorite philodendron? Off the top of my head, I think my favorite in my personal collection right now is probably my Plowmanii. Okay. Um, so philodendron plowmanii is an absolutely great one. It's a terrestrial philodendron. So a lot of philodendrons are viners and climbers. Um, but plowmanii being terrestrial, even if you give it a support to grow up, it will choose to stay horizontal and kind of creep along the ground as well as being an oddball and being terrestrial. They also have awesome undulating petioles so undulation for the layman's term is ripply yeah, courtney's doing a, a thing with her hands to like kind a jellyfish of show, motion a jellyfish motion i love mm. it um which is a really neat unique characteristic uh, a lot of people love petiole adaptations and in, in anthuriums and other things like that and so there aren't always a whole lot of philodendrons that have unique petioles and so plowmanii is great for that um, as well, the leaf has a cool kind of, uh, not rough, but kind of um, ripply texture to it, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, as well as like silver, silvery markings. Um, and so I have a plumanii growing in the greenhouse as well, and so the leaves do get considerably large. Um, so I, I, I would agree with you, that is a beautiful all-around philodendron. Um, how are you growing your plumanii? Well, I'm a firm believer in my personal collection <laughs> that uh, 
you have to treat it like the redheaded stepchild um, <laughs> in order to like get a good growth. Okay. Um, so I let mine dry out all the way between waterings. <laughs> like I, I definitely don't practice what I preach as far as like plant health. Um, and like mine lives in probably a 12 inch pot and it's kind of just like under something and the leaves grow out because of the growth habit like it just like swings down out of the pot and is growing back up and like it is just so stunning so okay. stunning but it's doing good right? it's doing yeah. the thing so i mean hey that's another plug for you can't always listen to everything that you read or hear online you need to be able to Grow your plants according to your conditions and experiment. what experiment and do what works best for you and the parameters that you are growing your plants in. Absolutely. Not everybody has a professional greenhouse that they can <laughs> grow their plants in. And so that is true. That sometimes is it's a true. single wide trailer that you just have to make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you have taken a room in your in your home and you've turned it into a plant room. So I mean I uh, yeah, the photos that pretty you post impressive. from that are, yeah, it's always gorgeous. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> That's a so lot a plant of like that, do you have to, like, because you said it grows out more, mm -hmm. like, do you have to take the surrounding area into mind, like, when you're putting it somewhere? Like, is it going to actually vine and, like, attach itself to things so in the area, being, or is just... Being a terrestrial pr plant, unless you were to put it into like a 20-inch pot, it is almost always going to eventually grow out of the pot, mm -hmm. because it's going horizontal. So, unless you continually put another pot underneath the new growth, it's going to just creep its way up and out of the pot, because it's looking for more ground. You know, I mean, mm. if you think about the jungle floor... That doesn't end mm -hmm. after 10 inches. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It just keeps going. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, you definitely would have to think about what is in front of it or around it. If you had it pot to pot with another plant, most likely it would grow into that other pot and then root into that pot and mm. then keep going. Interesting. Um, but, I mean, even the one that I have in the greenhouse has – it's been out of its pot probably – 10 months now yeah. because I just haven't repotted it in a big enough pot because it's just going to continue to creep and creep and creep and creep. Yeah. I think mm. like the first, maybe like six inches of the plant was in the pot. And mm -hmm. then like the next like foot and a half of it has just like <laughs> grown out of the pot and down. And it's got a bunch of like really beautiful inflows coming out on nice. it. And it's just like, so I healthy. will say the inflorescence on Plumania is beautiful. It is red and white. Mm. Um, it's very Christmassy. Very pretty, very pretty. Mm. Um, all right. So I guess I'll go now. Yeah. So, um, a philodendron I really like. So philodendron, like a lot of aeroids will go through ontogeny, which is a, uh, basically, uh, converting from a smaller juvenile state to a larger mature form. Um, and so I really like philodendrons that go through this process hardcore because basically it's one plant, but throughout its life, you're experiencing almost a couple different types of plants just because the form of it and the look of it and the leaf shape and everything really changes. Um, so one of those plants I think is going to be filled under Melanochrysum. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love it. Um, as a juvenile, it has kind of small oval leaves um, that are, are dark, dark, and also really velvety. Um, in the light, they'll give you like this 
really pretty shine to it, mm. um, almost like it, you know, covered in glitter. Which, if you don't know me, I love glitter. <laughs> so, I mean, any any plant that looks like it already has glitter on it, I'm gonna fall in love with. Do um, you add glitter to plants that don't have this <laughs> sometimes. glitter? <laughs> sometimes, yeah. If a plant is unfortunate. Like I need Unfortunate to enough to bit. live in my bathroom, it will secondhand get glitter on it just through, you know, mm. over applying glitter spray throughout <laughs> the times, you know, and then you got to wash it off. But, <laughs> uh, but Melanochrysum is great um, because then as it matures, the leaves will get longer and longer as well as bigger and bigger. And they also develop these like earlobe type protrusions on the top. Um, and I mean, I've seen melanochrysum leaves that are easily over three to four feet long. Wow. And so melanochrysum, philodendron melanochrysum is a viner, so it does want to climb. And so in order to, you know, if you're at home and you have a, a baby juvenile melanochrysum, the number one thing to get it to mature is going to be to give it something to climb. Um Plants, uh, specifically philodendrons, want to have a surface to be able to attach to and climb onto, and they want to, quote-unquote, know or feel secure as they grow um, in order for them to, uh, you know, go through that maturation and kind of evolve into their next form. Um, so if you were to just, like, tie it up onto a pole, it may not necessarily change because it's not actually secure onto that pole. You've just, you know, put it upright. Whereas a lot of these plants want to actually be attached and feel that what they're on is good, um, you know, and isn't going to topple off. Or, you know, if that twist type broke that they then fall over, they need to feel a sense of security for them to begin that process. Well, because that's an, it's a big nutrient dump. I mm -hmm. mean, you know, until they feel like they are safe enough to, put out those big giant leaves, all of their growth is being put into finding that support. Exactly. And so once they find that support, they're like, oh girl, I'm here. It's time <laughs> now. And then it's on. Yes, absolutely. Interesting. So, so that's philodendron melanochrysum. I think melanochrysum has also produced some really cool hybrids out there. Uh, <laughs> um, there is a melanochrysum gloriosum hybrid that is absolutely beautiful. I believe the new cultivar name is glorious okay um and so it is a climber so even though gloriosum is a creeper um the the hybrid is a climber and so they get still really big beautiful mature leaves that want to climb but it also has a slight dark green hue to it mm. uh very very pretty and then as well melanochrysum has done a hybrid um with varicosum which uh I know as Veracrysum, but I'm pretty sure it's actually, it has another mm -hmm. new cultivar name to it. Um, but very, very pretty. I mean, you get the mix of the dark glittery of the Melanochrysum, but then you get the cool veining of the, of the Veracrysum as well as the glittery from the Veracrysum. And so I feel like that plant makes any sort of cool hybrids. Um, I did just talk to a, uh, a tissue culture person in Indonesia and they just successfully created a hybrid between a philodendron mel melanochrysum and a variegated giganteum. Wow. And so the seedlings have started to sprout, but I mean, they haven't really shown any characteristics yet. So that's pretty exciting to see what that'll look like. Wow. Um, because the uh, giganteum is a terrestrial type, um, but the variegated one has kind of a different growth pattern. So 
it, the variegated Gigantium is also heavily white. So thinking of how that mixed with the dark, dark of the Melanochrysum mm. is like, yeah, really exciting. And from <laughs> what you know, that's never been crossed before. Correct. Yeah, mm. that's, that's a new hybrid. Interesting. Yeah, I'm sure that's just like the excitement that comes along with that, of, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you have multiple that you've gone through that of crossing them and just waiting, like, well, this could be anything and having really no but clue what's going to come out of it. It is. It's the excitement of hybridizing and breeding in general is just that we are doing something that never would have really happened in Mother Nature. I mean, a lot of these plants that we hybridize or that the industry hybridizes aren't necessarily from the same geographic locations. Um, So there are very few natural hybrids out there, as in something that would have been created by Mother Nature where two different species just happened, Mm -hmm. you know, to both be in bloom at the same time and some beetle or whatever the pollinator was happened to go to the wrong plant and create some sort of natural hybrid. There's very few of those. So Mm -hmm. any sort of these crosses, we're doing something that, like I said, Mother Nature wouldn't have ever done. And so that is really exciting because if it wasn't for us and if it wasn't for these breeding endeavors, these plants just wouldn't exist. Wow. That's pretty crazy. It's it's cool. (laughs) It's pretty intense stuff. It's It's exciting. And so that even goes, I mean, back into the whole process of that breeding is even just because you cross the, the pollen on the female receptive plant and you get it to produce fruit, there's still then such a process for you to have those fruit basically come to term to then be harvestable to then harvest to then sow to then germinate to then raise them to a point where they are more than just a sproutling you know you then have to get them to basically be an adult plant before you can kind of like breathe and Mm. you know relax a little bit that okay now i will accept that this hybrid was successful you know what i mean it's one of those that like you can't count your chickens until they hatch exactly until they actually (laughs) are peeping in your hand you can't (laughs) count your philodendrons until they hatch (laughs) (laughs) that's funny so okay so now we've talked about two different species what about hybrid wise courtney what's a what's a good hybrid you really like or cultivar my favorite hybrid is probably Black Cardinal. Okay. I am absolutely obsessed <laughs> with Black Cardinal. Ever Okay, so Brett Brett and I go way back. Way back. Um so a lot of my personal collection has come from Brett at some point in time <laughs> or another. Um and I remember back when like the first Black Cardinals started coming mm-hmm. out and he was like, "Here, I found this thing and I think you might think it's really cool." And I'm like, "Oh my." This is probably like 2017. God. Yeah, this was yeah. a while ago. Yeah. Um Wait, and did you guys know each other before college or you guys met We met at we college. Met oh, at college. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Because we went to such a small school that, like, there was only, like, seven of us in each class. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, like, geez. you became really good friends really <laughs> you had no quickly. Choice. <laughs> yeah, like, you had no choice. It was, like, you're friends with that weird kid or you're friends with this weird kid. <laughs> you just basically get to choose the which truth. level of weird I mean, kid you got. Truth. That's funny. Um, so, well, it worked out. I mean, oh, yeah. So far. <laughs> not, not We're still growing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he gave me that Black Cardinal so far back, and I was like, this is quite possibly an obsession (laughs) and so like now i have my second black cardinal i think that started your dark plant matter obsession oh it definitely did it definitely because it's a whole different world Mm -hmm. um different growing requirements like the whole thing is just a little bit wonky um what's the most 
like abnormal thing you have to do with a plant like that? I mean, in my own personal collection, mm. clean the leaves to mm. make them look like what they're supposed to. Because mm. like with a lot of green plants, like you get the water droplets or whatever from residue, but it doesn't really matter because it's green. Yeah, you sort can't of. see it as You much. can't really tell. Mm. It's kind of like with a car that's like sort of pollen colored. If you get pollen on it, it's not like <laughs> a white car where it's going to turn green. Yeah. Um. So like with the dark plants... I find that I have to clean them more often, mm -hmm. but like my favorite thing to do is just like preventatively spray them with neem oil there and then go. it just cleans them and you don't even have to do anything. <laughs> and it gives them a nice shine. Oh, yeah. I just mm. did it like last week. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I love dark plants. Um, I think my philodendron majesty is one of my favorites mm, right now. Yeah. Um, I, I brought my, my mother majesty down to the aeroid show. And so it got a, a lot of good reviews. People, people just love it. So, black cardinal is unique as in the new leaves that Philodendron black cardinal produce are dark, dark black, but then they stay a dark black even after they harden off. And so, mm -hmm. you get this kind of beautiful rosette of just dark, purpley black leaves throughout the whole thing. Mm. Philodendron majesty is cool because the new leaves come out a dark, like almost pitch black black but then as they harden off and as it becomes an older leaf it turns from this dark black to like a purple to then almost like an olive green and so on the same plant you get this kind of really pretty um uh, vibrant what am i trying to say gradient of color of like where, an ombre yeah exactly <laughs> a, a plant ombre from like these olive green all the way up to this dark dark purple it, on a plant that is a viner that then also has these like spear p really long pointed leaves it, absolutely love it um yeah i might have to include include a picture of that okay. in the post because mm -hmm. just you describing it sounds cool <laughs> stunning we can do that stunning <laughs> stunning um so uh dark plant matter um i'm trying to think what else um black cardinal they did just do there is a hybrid now that supposedly was a hybrid between a Florida Beauty and a Black Cardinal. Um, I think they're calling it Florida Bronze. Okay. And so it has almost like a T-bone shaped leaf, um, but it's vining, but it's dark. It's dark like Black Cardinal. It's pretty. It's pretty. I've seen a couple. I know Enid is growing it um, mm. at, at NSE. Um, so it's new. Um, the parentage is uh, like. Um, suspected mm -hmm. they think it's that but because it was an import you know anything you import without any real information you kind of have to take with a grain of salt because you're just you're relying on what they tell you without actually knowing um but it is exciting it's something new out there i think black cardinal makes a great parent no matter what you cross it oh with. my god yes um so I, I do have a black cardinal in the back that i'm waiting for inflorescence to form because we could cross it with anything and it'll be so cool mm. um so thinking about other philodendrons let's talk about leaf shape um okay. so I really like uh, Philodendron Yoepii. I know Ooh, it's yeah, okay. so popular right now. Um, so even though it is called Philodendron Yoepii, it technically isn't a species. It was something that was found by, uh, his name is uh, Yoep uh, Moonin. I think I'm probably pronouncing his last name wrong. Uh, but he's a botanist. Um, and so he had found this form of this plant. So we call it Yoepii, but it's technically a cultivar because 
it hasn't ever been proved to be its own species. Um, but this plant has such a, a unique leaf shape that when they first discovered it, they actually thought it was a different philodendron that had been eaten by bugs really, really bad because the leaf shape is so bizarre. Um, and so that one right now is fetching very high dollars oh, yeah. everywhere. Um, I know Shane has one. I'm, I'm trying to get it to grow out because that would be leaf shape is something that's so cool and that makes something really popular. So to be able to hybridize with something like that would be so cool. Oh, it would be. Um, mm. What else leaf shape wise? Anything that comes to mind for you? Well, I mean, there's always Spiritu Sancti. Ooh, yes. Let's talk about it. Always Spiritu Sancti. All right, so Philodendron Spiritus Sancti is a very rare, probably one of the most rare coveted plants in the plant trade right now. There's, a, so they say, there's only five left in the wild. Um, they they hail from the Spiritus Sancti region of Brazil, um, and so they were very highly poached for a while, and now they're really protected. And so um, now, basically, they are just kind of making their way into the plant trade through cuttings. And then uh, I do have, you know, some good friends that have just finally um, successfully self-pollinated a Spiritus Sancti. Mm. So they did just uh, start uh, collecting seeds. Um, so at this point, that was a couple weeks ago, I'm sure those seeds have already been sown. And from what they said, that was the only the second time that seeds had ever been collected on the plant. Um, wow. Which is really cool because that's something that we kind of need that as a plant industry in order to make sure that this plant is out there and is sustainable, that people and collectors can still get it in, quote unquote, in mass in mm-hmm. a way that doesn't harm the five that are left in the wild. Mm-hmm. We need these types of breeding procedures Absolutely. and everything to make sure that it you know, it is spread to everyone who wants one type thing. Well, I mean, as many as can get one anyway. Well, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I think they got a couple thousand seeds, but a couple thousand compared to everyone who wants one is nothing. You right. Know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That um, just makes me think of like how many plants have actually gone extinct because they never mm-hmm. got to have the opportunity of being pulled out of their natural habitat and still protected, but done in a way that you can reproduce it and breed it and not well and just have it drop off the face of the earth i mean it's it's very sad to think about that to think about going back to the beginning of what i said there's still so many plants out there that have yet to be discovered so to think about these plants that lived hundreds of thousands of years in the rainforest only to never be discovered by us so we were never able to document them for us to then destroy their habitat and basically wipe them from the world only for them to never have been recognized or recorded as being alive is like one of the saddest things that I can imagine. Yeah. I feel ashamed of myself just being a human. You <laughs> Thank <know>? you. Like, <laughs> you should, you should feel ashamed and it should, it should spike passion in you to want to do something to continue to conserve and protect plants because plants, we aren't alive without plants. I, I mean, that's what it comes down to. Is period. Period. Like, mm-hmm. that's what we rely to live every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's now getting to a point where they have to rely on us, you know, certain species mm-hmm. to survive. So it's kind of this back and forth relationship where the more people that realize how important they are, the more we can actually protect them and, and you know, 
hopefully save the world in the future exactly. for, you know, to not cause this. But. And if talking about this on this podcast changes the mind of just one person, then that will have been we one more world. person that we have, <laughs> you know, changed. Exactly. Save the world. Like, one more further. And who knows? It's It's so exciting, but at the same time, yeah, you need to realize that it's not just... It's not just for fun. Like you collecting this rare, really rare plant and you growing it in your apartment in New York City or, or in Washington State, it may come down 50, 100 years from now when you pass that plant on. That one plant that you have been cultivating for years may be one of the few specimens left in the world. And it may come down to your grandson having to, you know, team up with a botanic <laughs> garden to like bring it back from extinction is just exciting yeah that's enough reason for me to have grandkids (laughs) (laughs) just to make sure that they can keep the plant lineage pass on my plant collection there you go i don't really care about you know passing my name on just as long as you take care of these plants (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) i love it i love it um so as well as uh philodendron um going into uh how they kind of break down taxonomically a little bit um the genus philodendron does have three subgenera there is subgenera subgenera philodendron subgenera teromitium and then subgenera meconostigma so this is something that probably people may I don't know, be upset about. Um, but it is currently under the understanding that in 2018, the subgenera Meconostigma became a new genus known as Thematophyllum. Um, but even though now a lot of people are finally jumping on and using that new genus, Thematophyllum, it has kind of escaped the plant community that in 2019, a year after that was released, there was another publication that came out that kind of negated that initial publication and said that, wait, hold your horses. There's actually not enough information or enough uh, genetic DNA to state that it should be broken apart. And so the International Arid Society actually does not recognize the genus thematophyllum. So mm. it's something that just how when Sansevieria became Dracaena, which I do support, that is a real thing. The plant community comes up in arms. Oh, we have to learn a new name. Da 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 da. So, I'm glad everyone was is finally so supportive to, you know, jump on the trend and use the matophyllum. But now, I feel like it is our duty to kind of say, well, actually, no, that's not the case anymore. Go back to how it was. Mm. Um. And so, I do just want to put that out there that the matophyllum is no longer what you should be referring it to. They are just philodendron, whatever, philodendron goldii, not thematophyllum sprucianum. Um, you would still be fine saying philodendron goldii synonym thematophyllum sprucianum so that people who want to call it that could continue to call it that. I mean, plant the, the wrong plant names get used all the time. It is something that is still out there. Like, you know, 30 years from now, I'm sure someone will still be using thematophyllum sprucianum. Um, but that group, that Meconostigma subgenera, those are some of my favorite philodendron. Um, from Stenolobum to Goldii to uh, Evansii, which I know Courtney and I hold very near and dear to our heart. Um, philodendron Evansii was a hybrid created in the 1950s by Bob Evans, who was the head horticulturist for Disney. Um, and it was one of the first kind of 
big field endrin hybrids that was ever created. And so they are really pretty robust plants that get huge leaves. We've seen, it's at Bach Tower, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A Bach Tower here in Florida um, has some of the has some of the original specimens created from Bob Evans himself. Wow. And so these plants are massive, like absolutely massive. Um, and so that group as well, there's uh, uh, philodendron speciosum um, and then all the different hybrids that come from those. So uh, we have in the greenhouse, I have an, uh, a jungle whispers um, that just gets these unique, crazy, awesome, different shaped leaves. Yeah, Zach, we're going to have to include some pictures mm-hmm. on some of yeah. these. Yeah. I can't even describe some of these plants. You I can know? see them in my head, but like the words don't work. <laughs> like I exactly. can't come up with the correct words to like make you understand. Like, like how cool, how these ruffly and how beautiful ruffly. and rich. Like oh, they're just perfect. But so a lot of these, uh, a characteristic of this Meconostigma slash Lamatophyllum group is that they have arborescent trunks. So some philodendron like melanochrysum are viners, so they grow up, but they stay, th- their stems stay somewhat comparatively smaller, um, as in they're still vines, they don't necessarily get woody. Um, whereas these Meconostigma thematophyllums, arborescent is tree like, is what it means. And so they will get these trunks that are very, very dense, very, very woody. Um, a plant, I'm sure, I can't believe I, I forgot it, but Siloam, which is known as Bipinatophytum, um, is one in this group, which I'm sure almost everyone listening has in their home. It's, I feel like, besides Monstera Deliciosa, that's kind of like the first go-to houseplant is a Siloam. You probably have one, even if you don't know that you have one. Right. <laughs> hiding somewhere. They're everywhere. I mean, they're everywhere. And especially here in the landscaping in Florida, they are everywhere. Mm. They also serve their great houseplants, um, everything like that. But I, I absolutely love this group and they do make some great hybrids, um, as well. And then the other, so most of the other philodendrons we talked about, Plemaniae, Melanochrysum, they're all going to be in that subgenera philodendron. Um, and then the subgenera Teromitium is kind of overlooked. Um, a lot of the species in Teromitium are really small. Um, they're viners, but their leaves are thin, they're small, they work great for like terrariums or vivariums for, you know, the houseplant community, but they really aren't being mass produced anywhere by by any companies or growers or tissue culture because they're I hate using the term but they're somewhat insignificant. They're tiny. They're tiny. Dainty. Yeah, mm. exactly. And so because of that they don't have a like a big wow factor exactly. like There's a big no, plant. Like, appeal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're a collector, they are great collector plants. I have I have a couple. I have Philodendron teromitium itself. Um but again, it's nothing compared to a Yoapii or a Spiritus Sancti. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the same glitter to it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Not, uh, not you know, actual glitter. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> plant glitter, plant glitter. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so yeah, I think before we go, I just want to get a hot take from both of you. What would you say is your least favorite philodendron? <sighs> This is a common question. Yeah. We, we sometimes ask, what's your biggest mistake or, um, you know, biggest lesson you've learned? But I want to know out of whether you mentioned it or not. All right. Well, I hope the I hope the 800 we have at the greenhouse don't team oh, up and come, against, <laughs> come, come for me. But I am not a fan of Prince Orange. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you said it. <laughs> 
Prince Philodendron Prince of Orange serves a purpose. It's a it's a complex hybrid. So the parentage of Philodendron Prince of Orange comes from four different parents that the breeder had hybridized a bunch together. It serves a purpose. It's a great house plant. It's easy to care for. It takes neglect well. It takes drying out. This sounds well. like the perfect plant for me then. Why, why but and I mean the new leaves come out and they're bright orange. Neon orange is my favorite color. Like everything about this plant says that I should like it, but I think just because it's become so Mass commercialized, produced. exactly, yeah. they're mm. everywhere. Everyone, mm-hmm. everyone has one. They're all over the place. And we like to refer to this as being plant bougie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Courtney and I definitely have yeah. just reached that point of we're like, well, I don't need that. That's a prince of orange. <laughs> I well, mean, I think you know. also because you know. I had a Prince of Orange when Prince of Orange like first came right. out on the scene. And so now I'm like, okay, I've leveled up a few, exactly. you know, past that. And like, mm. I don't know if that's my own vanity talking <laughs> or if I'm just like, I am an expert plant mother. And like, I have we've that guy. On. But yeah, yeah, we've moved on. Yeah, so makes sense. I think that's my answer. I hope I didn't steal your answer. No, but I was thinking the bench right beside it with Imperial Red. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just muddy and Imperial, it has its own place, exactly. just like Prince of Orange. I think it has its own place and it's beautiful in its own right. I just don't need one in my collection. Mm-hmm. Of of the 489 species, not counting the countless hybrids out there, we all only have so much room in our apartments or our houses or our plant rooms or whatever that you have to be you have to be able to pick and choose. And mm-hmm. so unfortunately those two just no longer not making have the room. cut. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. But they have places elsewhere. Like oh, my gosh. house. There you go. Yeah, they can come man. on over and <laughs> they can sit on my shelf and, you know, be happy little well, plants with no in four years from now when we're on episode eighty 900 of this <laughs> podcast uh, i'm sure zach will come out and say that he's now plant bougie too I'm past, and, yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah, Prince so. of Orange, i'm past that <laughs> that was like two years ago <laughs> all right well this was good yeah this was we, good uh, survived without shane wish him a happy birthday and hopefully we have courtney back sometime yeah maybe Maybe. If I can get out of the greenhouse. Yeah. She can escape. We had to sneak her out the back door this time. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this was great. I hope you guys enjoyed. And uh, always feel free to let us know what some of your favorite philodendrons are. If Please. You, if you have a hot take about a philodendron that really just boils your blood you can't stand, or if there's one that, oh my goodness, you guys absolutely love and you need to tell us, they can reach us at Zach. What is the email? I think it's feedback at everyplantstory.com. That sounds fantastic. That yes. sounds feedback, fantastic. Feedback at everyplantstory.com or just shoot us a message on Instagram at everyplantstory. And if and that is wrong, Shane will edit this and yeah. he will put the correct email. Yep. <laughs> no, really well done. Really, really well done, guys. But until next time, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed and uh, always growing more over here at Gabriella. And until next time, have a great day. Bye, guys. See you. See ya.